Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community, and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. This week, we are exploring how to use feedback to enhance students' public products. And when we think about how can we help students make their public products better, one way that we can do that is by giving quality feedback. Feedback is an essential component of the formative assessment process. So remember that during project-based learning, we are often given formative assessments throughout the PBL unit. And a formative assessment is an assessment for learning, and it occurs frequently throughout the project, and it provides time for students to revise their work based on their feedback. So I spent years as an instructional coach working for organizations where the culture of ongoing feedback was normal. And what I mean by that is because we were coaches, we were expected to give quality feedback to teachers, but also we were expected to receive and take action on feedback that we were given from our coaches or our managers. And working in this type of culture for years, feedback just became normal. So typically when I do any type of training, there's a feedback mechanism and I'm so used to receiving feedback that it is no longer a scary thing. Sometimes people struggle with receiving feedback and feel that someone is talking negative about their work. Instead, feedback is a tool to help you enhance your work. And so even though I'm not working for an organization right now, feedback has become such a part of my daily life that I don't mind asking people, well, what could I have done better? What went well? What things could I improve? And it's just become a part of my work. So what is feedback? So it's when you get information about reactions to a product or someone's performance of a task, which will be used as a basis for improvement. And the purpose is to give quality feedback. Have you ever received feedback that wasn't helpful? Meaning it wasn't actionable, it wasn't specific, it wasn't timely, the the tone felt judgmental or negative. Possibly the person shared all the things you were doing wrong, but didn't give you any suggestions on how to improve it. Maybe you felt like it was more of negative criticism or a personal attack on your character. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you didn't get feedback. And you thought you were doing a great job because you didn't hear anything otherwise. And so you were actually surprised by the time an evaluation came around and you had all of these things that you needed to improve on because ultimately you thought you were doing great because you didn't receive any feedback. From a student's perspective, when done well, feedback should answer the following questions. What skills do I seek to develop? What's my progress towards that goal? Or how close am I to mastering that skill? And what's my next step? But if a student cannot answer those questions, it's probably likely that they're getting ineffective feedback. So let's explore why does ineffective feedback happen? Well, it could be a variety of things, but some things that I've experienced over the years is one, the lack of skill, meaning that the person giving the feedback or the teacher or the mentor just actually don't have the skill to be able to give quality feedback. As a coach, I spent hours, and when I say hours, I mean multiple hundreds of hours sitting through training on how to give quality feedback. And I will say this is something that I am still continuously working on. So if you haven't developed that skill, it's hard to give someone quality feedback. 
perhaps the teacher or mentor feel like they don't want to hurt students' feelings. So they instead just tell them everything is great and they won't actually give them any room for improvement. Maybe the feedback is ineffective because the person is focusing more on what's wrong without brainstorming ideas for improvement. So it's almost like when you see something, you know all the things that are wrong and then someone says, well, how can I make it better? And the answer is, I don't know. Like that's not helpful, right? I like to say is that it's easier to criticize than create. It's easier to tell someone what's wrong than how to make it better. So that also plays into ineffective feedback. So ultimately, it would be hard for students to improve their work without quality feedback. It's like giving a test, assigning a grade, and then giving the test again without telling students what they did incorrectly or how they can do better. Or it's like giving a test, assigning a grade, and not even reviewing the content and then giving the same test again. What's going to happen? Well, most likely the students will get the same or similar results on the next test. Now that we discuss what's considered ineffective feedback, let's explore how to provide students with effective feedback so they can produce quality public products. But before we dive into public products, let me explain what I mean by a public product. When I say public product, I'm referring to how students are sharing the solution to their driving question. So let's use the example question, how can we convince our peers that monitoring and minimizing human impact on the environment is important? Students could share what they learn using a variety of strategies. It could be by writing and illustrating a comic book, a video, or a print public service announcement. They could write and deliver a persuasive speech. Maybe they might produce a news segment or informational posters or infographics to post around their school. Maybe they design a social media awareness campaign, et cetera. So basically what I mean is how are students sharing what they know? So we know what ineffective feedback looks, sound, and feel like. But let's explore some key components of effective feedback. First, you want to provide feedback in a timely manner. You don't want to have a situation where you are waiting to the end of a unit to give feedback on something that was done in the beginning of the unit. At that point, students have lost the opportunity for them to make any changes. Think about your project milestones. Remember, a milestone represents a significant event or stage in the learning process. And this is something you develop while you're creating your project-based learning unit plan. So for example... When you're thinking about your milestones, you want to have an initial milestone to prepare students for the unit. You want to have several intermediate milestones based on the expected duration of the unit. And then you want to have a milestone for sharing public products. So we are focusing on how do we get students to the milestone of sharing their public product? When we think about those project milestones at this phase, when are students designing their first draft of their public product? You want to determine when you would check in with students to provide support so that they can meet that deadline that you set. Second, when you are giving feedback, you want to be specific with your comments. For example, instead of looking at students' work and saying, that looks good, that statement doesn't provide any insight on what students did well, nor does it offer advice on how they can enhance their work. Basically, if students heard that vague statement, they would probably say thanks and feel good initially, but it doesn't motivate them to consider any changes. Instead, You may say something like, I see that you included five compelling ways that teenagers could reduce their impact on the environment. Explain why protecting the environment is important. Use your rubric for guidance. So with that feedback, notice that I stated where to find the guidance so they can modify their work. Third, when giving feedback, align it to a skill. For example, you can use your project rubric that helps teachers evaluate student performance based on a range of criteria or characteristics that student work should exhibit. 
and it describes specific quality levels for each criteria. And effective rubrics have descriptors under a rating scale, and it has examples or concrete indicators for each level of performance. You can use the descriptors to guide the feedback. Using the rubric to provide feedback encourages students to refer to the rubric as they progress during the PBL unit. Next, this is a really important one. You want to create a culture of feedback, meaning students should view constructive criticism as normal and necessary for growth. I like to say perfect practice makes progress and it's okay to not have all the answers and it's okay to be wrong sometimes. It's more about learning from those experiences versus the outcome itself. So whether you're teaching through PBL or not, you want to build a classroom culture that values suggestions for improvement. Over time, you will see that students will be equipped with a growth mindset and will actually seek out feedback. Now, I want to say that you must provide space for them to utilize the feedback. So it's important that the feedback is given throughout the PBL unit so students have time to make modifications. Remember, we talked about earlier making sure that it's timely. As I've shared in previous episodes, I'm in the final phases of my doctoral program and I'm at the capstone or in some schools dissertation phase. And can I tell you, there are multiple rounds of feedback. I feel like I've written the same paper at least a hundred times. And each time there's a rule that you must change something before you resubmit it. So I'm now used to getting feedback on my writing and I know that I'm expected to make some form of change based off the feedback. It doesn't mean that I have to take every suggestion that the professor makes, but there's something that I should have thought about or done differently. And fifth, be positive. You want to monitor your tone and choice of words. Now, when I say be positive, don't overdo it and be so positive that the message is lost. Ensure that your feedback inspires thought or curiosity. You want to encourage students to be an active learner, meaning refrain from telling them exactly what to do, which takes away from the student choice and voice and also their decision making skills. So instead, ask questions and share what you are wondering so that they can decide what next step they should take. Now that you have five strategies to give effective and valuable feedback, let's discuss the various feedback modalities. So we're going to explore written and oral. So when we think about written feedback, let's first go back to our project rubrics. Since we already have this because it's part of our assessment and the way that we're monitoring students' progress. So you can use the rubric by placing annotations on the project rubric. Now, I don't mean by just circling a level, looking and saying, oh, this is novice, this is advanced. I mean, actually using the rubric and the descriptors and the criteria to get feedback on that particular level. For example, if you place something on one level, what prevented that student from moving to the next level? Give them direct feedback on the gaps that you saw within the levels. As an instructional coach, we often use a rubric to analyze teachers' classrooms. And for a couple of years, we would go into the classrooms and we would use the rubric and we would place teachers on a particular level. So for each criteria, you might say they were novice, they were proficient, they were advanced, etc. At the end of the second year, we sent out a survey to ask, how could we improve the program? And teachers responded back that while they understood the rubrics and they understood the grading, it wasn't helpful in terms of them understanding what to change. So even though you may say you are novice at this because you did these things, well, what can I do to move to that next level? Now, naturally you would think, well, you can look at the next level criteria and descriptions and determine what to do. But teachers express it wasn't as actionable as it may seem. So what we started doing was we used the rubric, we identified the level that the, the teacher was currently on, but then we gave actual feedback on what prevented them from moving to that next level. And so they were able to take that and make changes in their classroom. 
The next thing you could do is you could use your Google Docs or tools or whatever students are using to turn in work and you could just insert comments. This could be a quick couple of sentences to share your feedback. Students can resolve the comment after taking action. And then when they submit a new draft of their work, you can go back and see if they made any modifications. So that's just a quick way to provide feedback on their work as well. You could also consider providing quick feedback using sticky notes. For example, if students are creating a draft of their public product, and maybe it's a physical product or it could just be a digital product, however they're showcasing their work, but just putting a quick feedback on a sticky note and handing it to the student could be a way to make the feedback seem less formal and easier for students to grasp and take action. Let's think about some oral feedback. One way you can give oral feedback is during teacher-led discussions. Now, some educators call it student-teacher conferences, but It's basically where you have questions and discussion topics about the student's work. And I will say that this should be pre-planned to ensure that you give quality feedback. So you want to have your questions and your topics in advance so that you can A, stay on task so it doesn't become you rambling about something that has nothing to do with their project, but also you can be direct with your feedback. The next option is a teacher-student check-in. Now, what I consider different about the teacher-led discussions and the teacher-student check-ins is that the teacher-student check-ins are student-led, meaning they lead the discussion, so they come to the meeting with an agenda for what they want to discuss. This could be an aspect of the project that they're struggling with. Now, I will say you will need to prep students on how to lead this form of check-in. For example, you could provide conversation starter prompts, sentence stems, or question starters to help them begin the conversation, but still be prepared to ask guiding or follow-up questions to ensure that the check-ins are productive and that you're actually getting to a place where you can provide quality feedback. Another way to get feedback could be during whole class or small group. Maybe you notice that students are missing key concepts or they're struggling with the same content. You could use this time to respond to any challenges that are preventing students from making the academic growth that's necessary to actually be able to keep students moving through the PBL unit. Let's use our driving question from earlier. Maybe students are having difficulty connecting how a shift in climate impacts the earth. So therefore, they're unable to formulate ideas for how humans can minimize their impact on the environment. In that case, you might want to do small group discussions or a mini lesson to address that academic content. Another option is to use video. Maybe students submit a draft of their work and you could create a quick video using a tool such as Loom. I actually do this when I'm providing feedback on teachers' project plans. It's very easy for me to look at their project plan, turn Loom on, make a quick five minute video to give feedback. So if you wanted to use this option, you can review the students' work in advance so that when you hit record, you are prepared to give the feedback in a prompt manner. You don't want to lose students in the process of you rambling and now the video is 20 minutes long. You want to have a quick intro, get to the successful actions and then areas for growth and then next steps of the assignment or sharing an upcoming deadline, whatever would be helpful so the students can take action. Of course, all of this depends on your particular students, meaning what grade level do you teach? What is an appropriate way to give feedback based on their age? During this episode, we discussed why feedback is important during project-based learning. We talked about how to give effective feedback, whether it's written or oral. And we also explore how, when done correctly, feedback can be a tool to enhance students' public product. Now it's your turn. Plan two ways to provide feedback to students as they design their public product and decide on what stage of the PBO unit will you offer your feedback. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes.